You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 69 of a Life in Ruins podcast. Reinvestigate the careers of those living a life in ruins. I'm your host, Carlton Gover, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Connor Johnnan and David Howe. We are continuing our series on early complex civilizations, and to honor the 69th episode of this podcast, we figured we'd look at Indian archaeological cultures. If you have no clue why, well, buckle up, because Moche Pottery depicts more than just the birds and the bees in their art. I love how Connor's muted and he doesn't know it. <laughs> you know, your stutter in the middle of that that, that thing, when your Geonosian came out, dude. It was really funny. Just a heads up for our audience today that some of the material cultures that we will discuss are sexual in nature. It's a legitimate topic of research in Andean archaeology and pertinent to our investigation of early complex civilization studies. We cannot guarantee, however that we will not giggle like preteens at a slumber party when discussing moche sex pottery. Wei Zhongjin. <laughs> Wei Zhongjin. <laughs> Excellent. So just, just background for all of us. I'm pretty sure the only Indian archaeologists that I know are Dr. Tui and uh, Alex Garcia Putnam. Hashtag free him homeland security. <laughs> <laughs> I know two others uh, that I've met through work, but oh yeah, I did. I do remember that Garcia got stopped at the border, at, uh, Canadian border, right? There, there's mm-hmm. also a CSU prof, uh, Mary Van Buren, who did my Indian archaeology class, and she killed it. But I don't remember anything because it's just the way I am. There's Dr. Randy Haas as well. Ooh, 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 yeah. ooh. ooh. yeah, piercing blue eyes. And, they uh, are piercing, aren't they? Yeah. I remember like first meeting him and he was like, so what's your thesis about? And I was like, uh, are you like a white walker? Or, like what, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, aesthetically, like it's a great, some great, it's a great face, great eyes, you know, just digging a hole here. So he also gave one of the best like SAA talks I've ever, I've ever seen. The, the one in DC. Kid. Yeah. He just was like, I was on a plane. And then I basically figured out all the archaeology of this one site by clicking on buttons. It's like, Jesus. He was like looking at his like brother was showing him how they like computer generate trees in like architectural drawings. Mm -hmm. And on the course of like at Denver airport to getting to DC, he completely changed to talk. Didn't tell anyone in his session and started off by looking at Todd and being like, you remember how you told me to follow my dreams, Todd? Well, I'm following my dreams. <laughs> like, oh. Wow. <laughs> it just completely did a talk that he didn't even submit an abstract for an essay. So he completely was just like, so I solved this problem. Of course of uh, eating an Auntie Anne's pretzel in Concourse B at Denver International Airport. <laughs> As Randy? <laughs> yeah, dude, it was Man. nuts. Uh, at the Canyon Creek Project, I worked on with him and Eric and Spencer and Crabe or Spencer's now the, the state archaeologist. I got, I got to remember these people don't know who we're talking about. He's a state archaeologist. We've had Eric on before. Anyway. We've had all three of them on before, except Randy. Have, except Randy. Anyway, we're up in this cave in the Bighorns, like literally in Far Cry Primal Land. It was awesome. They, like I was trying to take like pictures of the cave with the iPad that Eric gave me. He was like, here, just you suck at everything, so just take pictures. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so I took, <laughs> took pictures. And then Randy, I was like, hey, do you need me to like take like, you know, with measurements here, like a, a, what do you call it? A scale in here. So you can map map out the cave. He's like, no, I got it. And I was like, what do you mean? I mapped it out already. We're good. And like, he had just got like, he pulled no papers out. And I was like, oh, so he like put the little pin, the datum in and just like eyeballed the cave, I guess. And I just took his word for it because the dude is like a computer. (laughs) He's a super genius. We'll have him on eventually. He, uh, I think he published that paper that was, talking about early women in and or in south america and kind of dispelling that myth about man the hunter and the importance of that wait kind of, randy was that guy yeah he was part of that study yeah yeah he did not draw the painting well yeah i just remember how concerned people got over that notion that a woman was able to hunt in prehistory she see was, here's the thing though people on tiktok kept sending me that link and they're like see like women hunted too and i was like one never said they didn't and then two 
also like this isn't the first time that's ever been known like it's just straight up known that women also hunted because yeah. they are molecularly half of our species so like at some point they had to have thrown a like, you know a dart into a deer here there. <laughs> like, yeah uh, but i think the important is that it was she was like very like grave goods yeah celebrated yeah. kind of thing but yeah so i think i think carlton said that we're gonna do indian but i think we're we're gonna hit more than andean stuff are we just doing the andean stuff a lot of it, it just so happens that a lot of the early complex civilizations that appear in south america begin in in peru in ecuador along the coastal regions in between the andes and the coast so yeah so we're kind of actually sitting close to at this point peru ecuador and bolivia that's going to be a little bit of a observer bias because you can't go into the middle of the Amazon and find anything and or live in the middle of the Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> right. I would, I'd agree with that. Yeah. I think that's a pretty excellent point that there is sampling bias. Like, especially like if you guys know anything about that area of the world, the Atacama desert, which I know is more South, but that area on the West coast of South America is extraordinarily dry, which is conducive to preserving things. Be where chinchillas come from. Over in that area, arid, like the roll in their pumice to clean themselves. It's a pretty chill place. Chinchilla. What's a a chinchilla? You know what a chinchilla is. The species name is chinchilla chinchilla. chinchilla. (laughs) Does that ring a bell? They're like the little Pikachu looking things. They're fluffy (laughs) and like amazingly cute. I had two of them. Machu Picchu and Sierra. They were dope. They shit everywhere. But you know. (laughs) What can you do? Machu Picchu for a name? (laughs) Yeah, dude. I named her Machu Picchu and I had no regrets. Okay. I see. They're... All right. Yeah, man. They're rats. They're like related to rats. Yeah, they definitely look like rodents. So the first civilization that appears is in Peru. Can Can we establish something? Why in between the mountains and the coast? Like what's so fruitful about that? That is a great question it's, it's it's just a it's a way to i think you use multiple environments so you're sitting you don't want to sit exactly on the coast and and live there you i think they in a lot of these societies at least like the early stuff you see folks going down to rivers harvesting or rivers and oceans and harvesting stuff and then living up in higher altitudes and and tra- and transversing now like just moving across yeah traversing different different environments to 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 be able to take advantage of all that stuff yeah so the highlands basically empty out into the west coast or they go into brazil so that area is extremely dry however it has it's kind of like a tigris and euphrates thing in mesoamerica which or mesopotamia sorry so they're they're settling along these drainage systems accessing the coast for water resources but the highlands are right there so they're able to hit different trophic zones so just have access to different food sources year round in different seasons that makes sense it's interesting you know because like if you look at the the eastern united states like the biggest metropolis of that is in between the Appalachians and the coast. And then in California, like most of what you think of as California is in between the mountains and the coast. So it's like, seems to be a very appealing area to humans to settle. And I guess Denver is up against the mountains too, but there's no coast. Well, you see that in the Pacific Northwest too. I mean, folks live in, in the interior, but use these interior or live in the interior and use the coast to it's just it's just the most efficient way you don't want to live directly on the right. coast all the time be miserable be living on like long island where you hang out with a bunch of people yeah <laughs> and, and like in particular to uh south american civs is the maritime foundations hypothesis proposed by michael mosley which is basically what we've talked about and what you argued that unique maritime resource, the Pacific coast provided sufficient calories to support rapidly growing sedentary populations in like large communities. So that's where a lot of that comes from, but uh, it's been heavily criticized, especially because people really believe like, you know, as Connor brought up a good point, like Northwest coast, uh, ancestral Klingit, Haida uh, populations, they heavily utilized Pacific Coast resources, but their communities never grew as large as some of these states that we see down in the highlands, which like, for example, Norte Chico, also called, uh, not Chavin, Chavin's a little bit later. 
Corral. That's around like 3,700 to 1,800 BCE. And that was the largest or like the largest populator center of all the Americas during that time. That's why it's one of the, it's supposed to be like one of the oldest sieves that we would call or oldest civilizations that we actually see in the Americas. Like you said, like Carlton said, there's at least 30 major population centers. This is right on the north central coast of Peru. It's kind of the first really complex city that you're going to, you're going to see in uh, South America and in the Americas as a whole. I mean, it was contemporaneous with Uruk, you know? So, I mean, like this is not like some late game, like South America has what arguably one of like the second oldest early state civilizations there is. Like I think Uruk and like starts just a little bit beforehand or right about the same time. So really you're looking at like 37 100 BCE. So this is this is comparable to what's going on in the Middle East. And there's not much known about it. it has a lot of pyramid complexes. So six, I think six earthen mound complexes. It's about 81 hectares, which is equivalent of 200 acres, 14 miles from the Pacific. These are these are like terraced. So they're like they're pyramids that are they're just not squares on the ground. They're multiple terraces that are built up mm-hmm. and at least a uh, in some of these areas. Yeah. The tallest one is about 60 feet high and the base of it is 450 by 500 feet. And so these six pyramid mounds create a plat, um, not a platform inside a, uh, what plaza what is that? Plaza. Yeah. And, uh, they were done in like one or two phases and in order to do this, like it was, I mean, they don't have clay in that area. So they are using a lot of plaster, cobbles, and dirt. So it's a mix. But they don't have maize or potatoes, which is like classic what we think of. But they grew a hell of a lot of cotton. You can't eat it, but, you know, that's the same area that we find the earliest um, Indian textiles around 2500 BC. Andean? Is that what you're saying? Andean. Yeah, and they also definitely are consuming squash, beans, guava, as well yeah definitely Squaw, like yeah gourds and squash are pretty ubiquitous in the americas all over yeah and definitely utilizing marine resources clams mussels etc and honestly the next biggest city doesn't happen until teotihuacan like a millennium later in the americas like this is and that's what's crazy about this is like we have a lot of like structural and material evidence but we have no idea really what happened because it, it kind of just went away just abandoned around 2000 and 1500 bce well i think something we you know we'll probably discuss throughout this series is why you don't really see why this occurs so early in like the andes or we'll like speculate and talk about it but it it doesn't really occur very too much later in mexico and north and north america as well Mm -hmm. so it's really it's really interesting that these peruvian valleys have these series of civilizations that are slightly different, but are also huge and and die out, and and it's it's just a really interesting area this to study. Before like the Olmec and the Toltec and stuff. Yes, wow. so Olmec that. and Toltec are, are a bit later in Central wow. America, but like some of the textiles that we recover from this area, they have this like double-headed snake motif that persists for like three thousand years along multiple different early states. And like it, from the last episode, this is what we would highly consider a primary state. So these people develop this system of organization on their own, um, and what we see later is kind of what we would con- easily what we would consider secondary states, where the influence of uh, Norte Chico or Corral is, is people are adopting like, Hey, I want to be like the guy from Corral who doesn't have to do anything and women just get delivered to him. And I want that. So I'm going to do that here. Okay. It is very confusing that Norte Chico is in South America when our Chico is in North America. I just want to throw that out there. Cause I was that's, very that's, confused. That's Norte Norte Chico. <laughs> <laughs> it's double um, North. I guess if I was confused, I was assuming some of you guys would be confused. So I just wanted to, just wanted to state <laughs> that. Okay. And then the Norte Chico I'm looking at is 3,700 BCE. So in years before the present, that's like 5,000 years before the present? Yeah. So like in North America, we're at like what the archaic period. So we have folks that are kind of 
roaming around, um, maybe hunkering down in some locations. Poverty Point. Yeah. 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 They have some, some. Is that the one in Canada? Poverty Point. Poverty Point is no. in Louisiana. Okay. Well, yeah. There's that Canadian like house place where they all hang out in the archaic as well. I can't remember what it's called. Really? Because we're an archaeology podcast, we will not look it up, and we'll move on. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Yeah. I, I, don't <laughs> I don't remember either. But yeah, so these these folks are are making these complex cer- ceramics, all this stuff, and you really miss this in North America at the same time. Yeah, I mean, they're making step pyramids out of stone, just like they are in Mesopotamia, right? That's that's pretty dope, to be honest. It just makes Alien versus Predator seem all the more realistic. It's like <laughs> early civilizations figure out if you just stack some stones up, you know, not straight up in the air, just at a wide base and just keep going up from there, they stay, they stay up. And you slowly make them smaller so you can climb up them. Yeah. Right. It's it's just yeah, it's like it's just really fascinating. Yeah, it's gotta be aliens. <laughs> yeah. The only explanation is that they were talked to by Paul. Paul. Hey, you're talking um, about the three eyed monkey from Nickelodeon, right? Uh that is also the Paul. Uh yeah, it's uh Paul's the movie with Seth Rogen where he's like the alien that crashed in Roswell. That was so. That was a really good movie. I really yeah. Do it's like a that. great movie. Yeah. Is that with the the two British dudes? Yeah, yeah. Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hot Fuzz, Shaun of the Dead. Hot Fuzz is one of my all time favorite movies ever. Speaking of Hot Fuzz, those chinchillas are baking in the desert. So let's uh let's go to the next segment. Bienvenidos. We are back with episode sixty nine. There we go. I'm gonna say it's the same thing the way, but. I was like, wait, is this bad to introduce it in Spanish? Like, is that insulting? But no, it's also good because we're talking about South America. But they didn't speak Spanish in, um, you know, this land. So, I am on <laughs> All right. I'm just waiting for the last week's episode to release when, he, when we say Bob Kelly's on notice and just all the <laughs> fan mail that we'll get from that one. But uh, <laughs> until then, we have another week. And on that note, check out episode 68 before you listen to this one. <laughs> we talk about complex Civ and get ourselves canceled in the same moment. We do. So eventually, Norte Chico dies out. I'm not sure we have good evidence why. It's abandoned. Um, yeah, just kind of, it, it did its thing. People um, vote with their feet. Yeah, yep. And then you start to see in 1500 BCE, Chavin, I think appear which is a sort of different different culture and is pretty complex and has done and there's been a lot of research into into this area and the the type site for it is Chavin de Huantar I think yeah so this is from about 1500 BC to 500 sorry 1500 BCE to 500 BCE before common era and Chavin is interesting because when it was initially excavated in the 70s this archaeologist by the name of Julio uh, Teo. And he noticed a lot of the motifs found at Chavin de Huentar on the monumental architecture. So we're looking at the masonry of temples, pyramids, these huge monumental complexes associated with early civilization. You find these same motifs in artistic styles across Indian civilizations after Chavin de Huentar and the surrounding region. And he came up with this idea that Chavin is like this mother culture to the surrounding area. So it is a primary area of influence was what he hypothesized, similar to like Greece. Could, could it be argued like Greece was kind of a mother co- culture to Rome? Yeah, for sure. Like, cause they colonized the Mediterranean before anybody. Well, I guess the Phoenicians did, but yeah, I would say like Hellenism is like the core of like the the Mediterranean. And this is still in the Andes, but we're a little bit further south of uh, Norte Chico. And so this is really the first uh, socially stratified society in, in central Peru and or in the central Andes, sorry. And we know that the socially stratified meaning that there's you have elites and plebes because of like privileged elite burials and right. more elaborate dwellings. So we can see like you, you could today, right? Like if you go to Trump's apartment in New York, it's covered in gold and luxury and, and Russians and Russians, Russians and urine 
<laughs> Putin's there. They have a yeah. And then if you go to like my apartment, you can tell it's completely different. And so um, we see that, especially this is a huge characteristic of complex civ is if you excavate an entire city, you will see some people have more and a lot more people have less. Someone's always got to sit in the way of the smoke of the campfire. <laughs> so my grandpa always said, he did not say that. But if I'm a grandfather, I will say that. I don't imagine your grandfather being Southern because both of your parents, aren't they from New York? Never met my mom's dad. Uh, yeah, but he was in Korea, he stationed in Germany in Korea. And then uh, my Germany, dad's Korea? dad. <laughs> yeah, he, he was like in Dusseldorf while oh, they yeah. were, the Korean War was going on. And then my mom's dad, or my dad's dad was a dairy farmer who then became a car salesman and then grifted. I think it's like <laughs> but they're both from like New York, right? Yeah, like different parts, but yeah. So I want to imagine your grandfather having a southern drawl, right? And the statement I made was also <laughs> made up, so like it just none of this was relevant. <laughs> so okay, so Carlton had mentioned that there is a presence of elites. There is some sort of hierarchy that occurs, and this also part of Shavin culture is we see the presence of some sort of shaman or religion, kind of this something that kind of connects some person that connects the elite to, yeah, yeah. Elite to the gods. And, you know, so you, you see, you know, offering of deposits and some other some other pictographs that depict shamans, you know, performing these ceremonies to ultimately ratify the elite as these elite and to keep them in power, which is something I don't think you really see at Norte de Chico or anything like that. And which is, it's, it's a really interesting kind of topic to, to go on. Yeah. And its placement is on like a very important, like river crossroads, so they're accessing both both the coasts because these are the central Peruvian highlands. So they they have these river systems that not only a go into the Amazon, but b also go into the west coast of South America. And there's like jaguar bones found here. There's there's a lot of trade goods, hmm. a lot of them that show some pretty uh, distinct interactions between different parts of South America. And like as Connor was saying, there's planned ceremonial complexes with uh, lowered plazas flanking platforms and like large temple complexes that have all this iconography. I think it used to be painted, right? Like a lot of these places in general, sure. when we talk about early yeah. Civ, you, they're, they're painted, but they show like these people were like Spartans almost. Cause a lot of their imagery on these ceremonial complexes are these really elaborate warriors and priests and and rulers and a lot of severed heads. No getting around that one. Well, what can you do? You know, like you just, you got to have something like that. It is what it is. It's what it is. Uh, these, these really early civilizations that we were talking about last segment and this segment, these people are, are using like squash and corn and whatnot and potatoes. No corn. I guess. So here there's definitely maize present. Okay. Uh, the last one, there's no evidence of potatoes or maize, but here we do see maize, squash, I think taters. What was their, in the, in the one without corn and, and potatoes, like what was their food? A lot of shells. They're right on the coast. Yeah. Okay. So, so you see like, a lot okay. of mussels and, and like marine Pacific resources. Northwest kind of. Yeah. Gotcha. Georgia coast. But there's there's a lot of ritual activity that goes on here at uh, Shaving in particular. You know, if you eat enough corn and you eat enough potatoes, you will have. Type 2 diabetes. <laughs> some kind of religious experience you know it's uh, the fourth of july is just corn and potatoes for us so it makes sense add some whiskey and you have the irish <laughs> yep no irish mean to black um oh my god i'm trying to think there's this uh, whole this section was... here of this article that i'm reading that that talks about conch trumpets like the f- like uh lord of the flies yeah, like, or something like a shell yeah that's pretty sick so it, it's and uh, one of them I'm looking at, which is an artifact at the Brooklyn Museum, actually has a person who's like a, supposed to be like high rank, with facial tattoos, just like me in the a Life and Ruins art, and going to be here soon. Uh, and he's playing a shell trumpet. And there's like there's a lot of chimeras on their art too, like a lot of different, 
like they just mixed and matched animals, which leads like Shavin archaeologists to believe that there's like two kinds of deities, a smiling God, uh, which is depicted with a human body, a feline face, hands and feet, and the staff God, who's a standing male with downturned snarling mouth and serpent headdress. And is the staff god because he grasps two staffs, each adorned with feline heads and jaguar mouths. You know, that is a god I'd pray to. That's a god that's serious, I guess. I was when I was reading about Polynesia, they said that there's like random scattered birdman iconography throughout Polynesia, especially on Easter Island, and that's like another evidence of contact with the Americas because birdman iconography is like pretty big over here. Yeah, and like I normally don't try to draw those connections because then you can be like, well. I mean, there's pyramids in, in Indonesia and there's pyramids in Mexico. They were trading on stuff. But like in that sense, it like does, especially Easter Island would make a lot of sense. And like, yeah, that's cool. I think there's Birdman iconography down south too. It also shows connection to the 21st century when they're talking about bird person. or <laughs> doctor. What was that one show that was an adult swim where the dude with the wings was an attorney? Was it like Birdman, attorney at law or something? You know what I'm talking about? Um. Charlie Kelly is bird law. That's like from Sunny. I was thinking Rick and Morty. What do they call the bird, bird person? Bird, bird person. person. Yeah. They made Robo bird person too. I don't know if you guys have seen the newest uh, season. Uh, dude, the one where like he Morty keeps trying to go get the wine from the, like that area, and like it, that is expert writing, dude. I was like blown away with the story of that. It was so good. What was the guy's name who's in charge of Atlantis? Neptune. Oh, in like reality or like in, no, in no, 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 no. In that in that episode. Oh, that's uh, it's not Sea Man. It's like Ocean Man. Something I don't know. It's just like know. it's Rick and Morty. Yeah, <laughs> saves the day. <laughs> so, so, anything else we want to talk about on Shavin, or do you want to move on to Moche Six Pots? Not quite there yet. Not yet there. Not there. We're doing yeah, lines. I mean, I mean the, big, the big part of his like sh- shoddy ideology is so flamboyant and all over the place that you see it persisted in other Indian cultures that coexist after it. So once again, this area is Shavin depopulated. People just kind of left, but it has a legacy in Indian civilization. And we see it as a whole deal. I just, I wish I could be there to watch them just all leave like one day. Or it's like, it's probably over like a month or maybe a year. They're just like, oh, Kevin left. I wonder where Kevin went. Well, I think it's just like, you know, it's gradual, right? You know, as you say, like people just gradually leave. I mean, it's collapse or depopulation is a slow, slow process. Yeah, diffusion to the next area. We're watching the decline in the United States right now. We've had like a good two decades of just watching it happen in real time. We're in the Nero part. or like. Oh, we absolutely are in the Nero part. (laughs) Yeah. He's banging horses and stuff. Like, I mean, we're we're just we're just shy of that. Is that what Joe right. Biden's doing with all his free time? I was thinking of uh, Trump with Stormy Daniels, but you know, that's just me. I mean, what can you do? The guy's a Roman emperor. He embraced that. He he just did his thing, but he didn't drink though. Yeah, he no, like- but he had he had a button installed in the White House for Diet Cokes <laughs> that if you that pressed it, people would just show up with did. a Diet Coke. Oh, and he wanted to have his ceremony, you know? He wanted to have his Roman his, Coliseum. His, his military parade. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> like, eats Big Mac president, I'd, 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 He eats Big... Oh, my God. Well, is he a keto he, guido? Did he, did he, he, cut, or, the, he, did he orders, cut the middle bun, too? Yes, he orders two Big Macs and just eats the patty, the cheese, uh, whatever you can call that as lettuce, and the Thousand Island dressing. What? With a fork and a knife. A bizarre what? man. Well, yeah, he must be keto, dude. <laughs> just got it out of the bread keto guido um speaking of keto guidos let's do some lines nazca lines nazca nazca so we're gonna bum out a lot of our ancient aliens uh-huh. friends here because so moving on to nazca which is along the south coast smaller drainages so um, we get we actually get into the common era now which is so nice because you know before common era is just like this weird time before things were common yeah so the Nazca exists at like 100 to 800 of the common era, which is what, like 1200, no, um, 1900, 1200 years ago, essentially. Yeah. It's like a little before the crusades. Yeah. Like 200, 300 years before it. Um, yep. 
right yeah. along the dark ages but yeah no uh so this is coming in in the southern uh part of south america there are a couple civilizations that we kind of glossed over but nazca is interesting specifically because of the large geographical imagery that we all associate it with and but it also has like the nazca state which is centered on the ica and nazca drainages it has outliers from the chincha to akari valleys the earliest dates about 100 AD, as Connor said. Yeah, they terraced the hell out of the hillside. So if you think of Civilization Six, if you play as, uh, well, yeah, when you play as Peru, you get the terraced farming. Yeah, wait, are you Juan Capac or are you? Uh, who's the guy in in Civ Six, Civ Five? I don't know. I've never Apple played him. The last Apple game Apple that we Apple. played, remember, I got iced out by him. Right. Is that the one where I was Rome? Is that where we almost lost our friend friendship? We did almost lose our friendship over that video <laughs> Do game. Do not let David play as an aggressive expansionist because I will expand aggressively. <laughs> and then lie about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, like... Lie about it the entire time and just like think that we're stupid. Yeah, like well, I'm going to text Carlton and maybe he'll go to war with Connor at the same I'll point. text Connor and be like, him. here, declare war on Carlton with me. And then Carlton will be like, hey... Connor, David just texted me, Connor. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. no. This all makes sense because you, you mentioned this in the last episode that you are this kind of kingpin in high school. Rouse. <laughs> in high school and from now on. <laughs> okay, so back to the Nazca. I still have um, those memes. <laughs> <laughs> that's how... That's how nerdy we are. We made our own memes for the Civ game we played for the three of us. <laughs> Man, were they funny. <laughs> I'm still pissed about those embarcos, but my economy still made it through. <laughs> you, no, that was a different game. Oh, man, I, just forgot, I just forgot to vote about it. No, man, I just forgot. What do you mean I just forgot? Like, uh, God. Weren't you, weren't you Queen Victoria or something? You were yeah. the, the British too, which you needed the, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. I did genuinely forget. And I just, no, I, no, I, no, I, no, 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 no. Because Mr. Connor told me about your little text message, right? He showed me where you're like, yeah, I'm not voting to end his embargo. I think that was the second time, though. Or was he no, the first was, time I forgot? Time. Okay. Uh-huh. I did do it purposely no at one time. There was no yeah. forgetting in there. Get out of here. But I do, do remember feeling terrible because you were like embargoed the whole game and all I had to do was click no on something. And I was like, what is this? Ah, hit yes. <laughs> and then just like ruined your game for hours. Uh, okay. Right. Um, I think we should just say, because Carlton was just on the Dirt podcast, go to the dirt podcast and they have a Nazca lines podcast where they talk about this dirt McGirt. And it's they, uh, called Nazca outside the lines is the episode title. Yeah. And it's really cool. They talk about some of their uh, irrigation and some kind of these pools that they created and uh, eventually talk about um, the textiles and, and whatnot. But I think we're going to, we're going to move on to pots. Yeah. We're going <laughs> to move on to penises because that's who we are as a podcast. So we will catch you in the third segment of episode yeah, 69. <laughs> Bienvenido de nuevo al episodio 69. Y estamos hablando de mochi sex pots. ¿Qué pasa? So yeah, the moche, before we get into the sex pots real quick, because they, more than just sex pots, they are a rather complex civilization. And uh, I think it's around, so they start around 500 AD. So they're, just just to put this in context, they're contemporaneous with the Nazca folks, just in a different area. Yes. And they rule over a string of river valleys along the North Coast. And they have a lot of iconography that's more than just the phallic stuff. Really elaborate um, elite burials, some really impressive metallurgy, some golden ear ornaments worn by the Lord of Sipan, has like inlaid turquoise. It's it's just crazy. But as we all know, can you imagine being one of the archaeologists? You're excavating one of these assemblages and you see like the top of a pot and it's like clearly a human figurine and you excavate further and further you get to the, the belly button and you're like, wow, look at this vessel. <laughs> and then a little bit further and then whammo. whammo. It's like that. Uh, 
I don't know how to describe this stuff because like it's just uh, it's graphic. That's what I was. It, it it it's not even erotic. It's just like it's just it insists upon itself. I can't really describe it in any other way. It's like all right, audience. Google mochi sex pot. You can, it's it's safe for work because it's art, but like. Uh, it's not safe for work. I mean, yeah, you might just have to type in Moche Ceramics. You don't want to explain that one to your boss. Yeah, oh, go rip. go ceramics first. Because it's like if Adam and Eve had a ceramic line. There's there's like an element of like it's not foreplay, but there's like an element of there's a lot of not, hand stuff going on, <laughs> and a lot of mouth stuff. A lot of lot of mouth stuff. There's we're, a lot of Orphis stuff. Anything. I see a threesome here. Yeah. Uh, and this one has a dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> this guy is really enjoying Go check it. out Ethnocytology. Next post about bestiality. <laughs> I, mean, I should do a post on that. I mean, it's a thing. It's anthropological. <laughs> The dude in Durango got arrested recently for having sex with a horse, but really, yep. Did you know necrophilia is a misdemeanor? Just a misdemeanor, huh? It's not a felony. I looked it up in Wyoming. It is a misdemeanor. I forget what made me look that up. It wasn't because I was trying to do that. It was just like I wonder what like weird laws are like, or what like weird things like that are not considered crimes, but that is a crime. Oh, right. I remember. Cause I was like, if you make out with somebody, you're technically digesting their saliva. So is that cannibalism? And then it went down a hole. It was me and Brooke, you know, oh, any amount Brooke. of things could be, <laughs> could have been talked about. Dude, but. there's pots where, or I, I don't even know what to just like. There's, it looks like a tea kettle, but the spout is a human penis. It is. There's also one, if you can, all right, walk with me here, guys. If you can imagine like a gravy boat, uh, like a gravy (laughs) boat in which you put, you know, on the Thanksgiving table, there is a pot of, I'm assuming a woman and the, the spout of the gravy boat is her vagina. And that is the only apt way to describe that. And it is, (laughs) it is graphic. Dude, there's uh, but, there's one with a, a guy is making out with a panther. Where's that one? Uh, same deal. Oh my god, it's from you know, it's it's a post from Sapiens, mm. and it says Moche sex pot pornography or something else. <laughs> I wonder what they have to say about it. Sapiens wow. is legit. Oh my god, there's a lot of like skeletal. My boss wrote this. Really? Yes, Steve Nash. <laughs> Yo, talk, tell Steve Nash. I, I would have Carlton, to ask him about working about Carlton this tomorrow. Is tickled. Oh my god! An um, anthropologically informed analysis oh. suggests that the pots are not erotica. No. The okay, okay. The thing I just learned on the internet is that vaginal penetration is the least represented of all the penetrations really in mochi sex culture and this is like a research article what year is it uh 2004 somebody had to collect that data yeah yeah okay <laughs> this article asked the question what is a reproductive act ceramics produced by the south american moche depict a wide variety of sex acts but rarely feature vaginal penetration interesting Ooh. Yeah, yeah, it's supposed oh, to be. So that means this one I'm looking at is not. Oh, all right. <laughs> Thought that I mean, was. It's pictured, but it's not. We have not one at DMS. It is, it is the one where the dude. I'm going to go see it tomorrow and post it on the Instagram. Imagine Please this do. SAA talk, though. He's like, okay, we have our collected data here. You can look at this graph. Uh, we have on anal sex, N equals 34. Oh, it's uh, not a panther, it's a skeleton. My bad. N equals. 55. Is, is that and, any better? Yeah, back to the <laughs> necrophilia. More than 1,200 uh, years old, this Moche sex pot depicts a female skeleton masturbating a shawl-wearing male skeleton who embraces and kisses her in return. Wow. There's a lot going on with this pot. And if you can look here at this next slide, the standard deviation of vaginal sex is four. They don't have any graphs, which I'm really sad about in this article. I know. I really, I'm trying to imagine it in my head like what this would look like, but... This is seriously like when we talk about that joke in archaeology, like if we don't understand what it is, it's ritual. The premise of this article is basically like this has to be ritual. 
Um, the, the, the funny thing about this guys, which is why these numbers are in my head, you can just keep, usually on Google images, you'll scroll down a bit and then it starts giving you like stuff like, you know, dogs or something like that from, or like, ads oh, we're still something. getting dogs here. Yeah. So if you scroll down on Moche sex ceramics or Moche ceramics and Moche sex pots, it, it does not end. There is no end to the Google rabbit hole. There are a lot of them. Uh, and a lot of like complete vessels too. Yeah. Like really well preserved. So does that mean they're probably elite then? I don't know. I don't imagine these being utilitarian goods. Uh, wait, along that. <laughs> well, I mean, thought- they could, you could you could call them utilitarian goods because you want people to reproduce of lower class, and you have more people to ens- and enslave and or work. You could tell them to get it on. I mean, I mean it's like, that's one. It's the opposite of chi- China's policy. You know? Did yeah, you like David said, on Netflix? Like, vaginal penetration is the is the least represented. Well, Connor said that, and I was about to oh. ask: Was did the article say anything about like why they theorize that? Give me a sec. I mean, I guess the logical explanation would be like because they're not doing it for conception. Uh, this is weird. The I'm not convinced by my boss's effort to tell me that these are not porn. I mean, he says, at worst, we make sophomoric assumptions demonstrating residual Victorian prudishness. Well, I mean, they're not really porn because, like, they have they clearly have a function as being a pot, you know? Or, like, so a lot of them be, like, kettles. Well, you don't really pour water out of those or wine or whatever they're drinking out of But those. they have a function. Yeah. I mean. They do have a function. These have a dual fundamentally. function. Fundamentally. Yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine an ad commercial? Oh my god! For what it is, <laughs> AdamandEve dot com. Oh, Look at Moche Sex Pottery. I only know of that because a YouTuber is sponsored by AdamandEve dot com, and I was there's like, a lot of podcasts that are sponsored. I don't I think we say, can that's get away one, with it. One option we could do. Well, this episode is probably going to get it for us. Oh, I think so. But I mean, what will our viewers say if we'd start? <laughs> yeah, like what? What probably? <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. So, the sex pots could teach about procreation, sexual pleasure, cultural and social norms, a sort of immortality and transfer of life and souls, transformation and the relationship between the two cyclical views of nature and life. So, that's what's going on here. Okay. They're doing like sixth grade education via pots. Well, look at that. The moche sex pottery of, when was this date? Uh, 100 to 800 CE was yeah, far better roughly. than the sexual education I got in Franklin, Tennessee in 2007. <laughs> so, what did they teach that, you guys down there? My biology teacher, sophomore year of high school, was like, okay, today we have to talk about the, the E word. And like somebody was like, no, we can't. And it's like, what is the E word? And then he talked about his evolution and he like had to explain he's like i have to teach this i don't i don't like it i don't believe it myself but i, I have to teach this and i was like good god <laughs> your biology teacher didn't believe in evolution he did not coach lad he taught the women's basketball team i was his, he was coach of that did you and guys have family life education down there no they we had youth group <laughs> that's like what everyone the has. exact opposite of <laughs> yeah connor did you have fle out here in colorado I had I had something that was sex education in fifth grade, I believe. My sex education in New York in sixth grade, I think fifth grade, was like way more in depth than anything I learned in high school in Tennessee. Is bad. Yeah, they started us off in fourth grade in Virginia. I remember I got Old Spice deodorant, and I was like, "Oh hell yeah!" Like oh they yeah, gave me like a little package. It was all coupled in with that stuff because people started getting stinky. Yeah, I used a lot of axe. Yeah, I was an axe kid for sure. Yeah. Oh, my, my mother. Oh, you gross people. God bless. Well, I mean, when you're in like seventh grade and you have the spray thing and you're like, oh, what do I want to spell like today? It's like, oh, sex panther. And you just bathe <laughs> in the fumes. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I didn't like the smell of like my clothes because I like have hyper smell or whatever. I was like, this smells too much like Tide. So I just doused it in Axe and I thought that was better. And I went to school and I... uh had no sex life in high school probably for that reason. Like most middle school school kids, you could smell the like boys from a mile away and it was just clouds of different Axe perfumes. Yeah. Well, you smell girls too. Like they had like perfume that they put on like a lot too. Mm-hmm. I know that because like I could smell it down the hall and I was like, well, not going that way. I feel like theirs was more expensive though. Like we could, was. We could spend like five bucks on like an Axe can and they'd be like, 
on about forty dollars of Ralph Lauren. I still have it. one can of Axe. I have not used it. I've just brought it with me as a reminder. <laughs> I've moved, I moved on to Savage by Dior, but in others. <laughs> Savage. God damn it. We have the same. <laughs> Do we really? <laughs> Guys, you got to use Ale Frige. I think that's what I use. Cream Frige? Cream Frige. I also had. Um, not I Ralph have Obsession Lauren. by. Who else is that one by? Uh, I don't. I have ones for different events. I always try to mix. Yeah, it up. I, I, yeah, for different like things that I'm doing. Oh, yeah. Before we go back to you know the actual topic here, did you guys ever figure out when you smash an axe can at the top that makes like a smoke grenade? Yeah, an axe grenade. So we would take people's backpacks, unfold them, take everything out, put it back in it, reverse them, and then zip it up and then zip tie it. So you were just like screwed. <laughs> you couldn't use your backpack. <laughs> we called it ninjing a backpack. But then sometimes we like took it to the extreme. And if they had axe in their backpack, which they rightfully deserve this, then you took the axe can, smashed it in the ground. So it just constantly sprayed. And then you locked that in their backpack. And <laughs> it was just like this thing going like, <laughs> their backpack was just like, had axe. Oh dude, it was, it was hysterical in the day. Reading it back now, and by the look on your faces, it's You're atrocious. You're a terrorist. Uh, you know, we had a good time. I but couldn't when you focus say we, at all. So based on the last conversation we had, you had your little posse. So I imagine mm-hmm. you weren't doing any of the dirty work. You had like Ben. You had like a whole Yeah. yeah you, you had a Hodor that you would just like, would smash the things and then. <laughs> well, I did have a Hodor, dude. <laughs> No, but he was like, you know, an intelligent guy. He just was large. Here's the thing, though. I, uh, Hodor was intelligent. It was Bran who scrambled that man's brains. Bran's on notice, dude. Uh, what was the... Oh, right, right, Yeah, so, like, I thought in high school, like, we were just, like, the weird kids. Like, we didn't... Like, I wasn't sure where I said, because we weren't jocks. We weren't, like, nerds, I guess. I don't know. And then, like, I look back at it, and I'm like, we were, like, the cool kids, which is, like, neat. Because, like, I don't know, just, like, we did our own thing. We are in bands. We played sports. We did, you know, I did, like, my evolution stuff. And I was like, meow, meow. and then, I don't know. It's just weird when you think back in high school, like, where did I fit in? Anyway, the, guys, just help me out here. We're, I, we are very far away. I'm just anxiously <laughs> talking. I So, to, to divert this, there's a lot of sexual things that happen in Mulchay culture. The Lord of Saipan, right, Yeah, is also one of the coolest burials that I've seen as part of any sort of culture. Like he, this dude was pimped out with a bunch of crazy, crazy things. Yeah. And he had two women buried alongside him. Yeah. I think they were considered slaves or, or, or like they probably weren't willing. Yeah, it's probably to ancient orange or the first leak I click right is freaking ancient origins, which we everyone stay away from. And then archaeology world. Jesus. So six, six other people, three young women, two males and a child about nine or ten. A lot of dog. Apparently as part of that. So Uh, when was this burial? Seapan, not Saipan. Saipan. Seapan. 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 Uncovered in 1987, huge complex, unplundered multicultural tombs with unearthed at the Huaca Rajada mm-hmm. archaeological site uh, near Sipan of uh, the north coast of Peru. Yo, this guy is stacked. That is cool. There's gold in there. A lot of gold. A lot of pots around. None of them look like sex pots. Wow. Nope. No, sex uh, pots. Dude, no ancient origins. I'm not getting updates from you. One of us. One, so uh, for the audience listening, that is El Señor de Sipan. That's S-I-P-A-N. It's pretty cool. I've never heard of that. That's awesome. Safe for work. It is. Yeah, it is safe. Very for work. safe for work. I mean, it's human remains, but like Wei Zhongjin. Uh, <laughs> Wei Zhongjin. So we were talking about complex civilizations. We have two minutes left. After all this derailment about sex pots and then Adam and Eve and then high my education. high school antics, <laughs> where what have we learned today, guys? Nothing at all. <laughs> uh, that I, ancient, did, I learned a few things. Yeah, ancient civilization comes in many forms, and a lot of it does, as we've seen through all these monumental architectures, part of it, and that South America had complex civilization almost as long as Mesopotamia. Sex pots aren't pornography, according to my boss. <laughs> and that we're just applying our Victorian prudishness. Also, all sieves ebb and flow. 
but they also are derivative. Can you imagine like a lot of these last like a thousand years? Like these things are persistent in time and we've managed to like go into collapse within 300 years. We're doing great. Well, I mean, like we've been built upon stuff since I'd say what? since Rome. We, didn't the, I feel like the Maya also collapsed in that same sort of period. They like they were flourishing for like a couple they had a hundred century. years. Or no, they had a thousand years. No, they had fifteen hundred, dude. Pre, it's like five hundred to a thousand, but they still existed. But I'm just saying, like, we ran like 1992. The world was our oyster, and in, why 1992? Uh, the Cold War ended. Was it? Wasn't it 1989? Like when the wall fell? That's when the wall fell, but I don't think the Soviet Union like collapsed until the early 90s, like 91. And then like 30, 30 years, we... Uh, 1991. You're right. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. I thought it was 90 or 89. 29 years, we managed to screw that up. And then 9-11. And here we are. On that great note, this has been episode 69 of a Life in Ruins podcast. <laughs> we will. It will be better next week, guys. It'll be better. <laughs> we'll probably get derailed. David wants you to review this podcast. Yeah, please be sure to rate and review the podcast and provide us with feedback on whichever podcasting platform you are using and listen to our show on. Uh, that would be great, guys. And buy this our episode, shirts. Buy our stuff. Yeah. Like, we got a logo. We got we got stuff. No one has uh, answered our challenge to check out our OnlyFans. It's on our LinkedIn. Link tree. Not LinkedIn. It's on our link tree. <laughs> Kelly Brown, shout out. She, she said she got a bunch of profile views. <laughs> and then I found her LinkedIn and I said, this is a DM slide. <laughs> yeah, but LinkedIn, guys, it's a it's a thing. And I've not ever had success with it, so I don't recommend don't, it. Yeah, it's don't just email Kelly Brown here. I don't even have no. an academia account. Oh, that's good, though, because it will email you every time someone searches for you on Google. And it is awful. Sweet. Yeah. The poor thing of being so popular. All right. So this has been episode 69. Thank you for joining I, us on this journey. And with that, I think it's we me looking up my website. <laughs> are out. Thanks for listening to a Life in Ruins podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at A Life in Ruins Podcast. And you can also email us at A Life in Ruins Podcast at gmail.com. And remember, make sure to bring your archaeologists in from the cold and feed them beer. I don't trust the owls at Machu Picchu. I reckon they're all in cahoots. My lord. That is good. <laughs> That's not even relevant to Machu Picchu. You can take any place and apply that stupid owl joke. It's Inca hoots. Yeah, Inca hoots. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I thought Girl, hoots was the... Yeah, thought, no, you're right. I thought, the first I time I just the, heard Inca I just heard hoots. the hoots. Yeah, yeah, I just heard the hoots part. Okay, thank you, Connor. That was... God damn it. <laughs> This episode was produced by Chris Webster from his RV Traveling America, Tristan Boyle in Scotland, and the Archaeology Podcast Network, and was edited by Chris Webster. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.